Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another edition of On the Continent, your one-stop shop for everything to do with European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. And on today's edition, what exactly happened when Betis beat Sevilla in Spanish football's longest match after Joan Houdan was hit by a pole from the stands and chaos ensued? Over in Paris, there are whispers that Zinedine Zidane has already been lined up for European football's hottest hot seat. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the chief coach's seat at PSG. And France's great mercurial star gets one last big move. Yes, Hatem Ben Arfa is back. Um, and it's move number 10. So, lots to talk about, guys. But before we begin, I'm, I'm mindful that perhaps there are stories that have caught your eyes that we're not talking about this uh, today. Anything in particular? Well, you know what, Dotton? Uh, of course, Bayern had a big weekend last weekend, despite having been affected by COVID quite a lot since coming back from uh, the winter break. They still won 4-0 at Köln, and they were excellent, despite having Marcel Zabitz originally at left back again. Um, Robert Lewandowski got to 300 Bundesliga goals. But because of that, in the middle of that, you could have missed... Corentin Tolisso scoring an absolutely brilliant goal from midfield, um, smashed it in from the edge of the area. He's a terrific player. He's had some bad luck with injuries um, since he's been at Bayern. Um, one of the things that have um, held him back as well as having a tattoo in lockdown that he shouldn't have had. Um, but I, I think what do you mean that he shouldn't thing- have had? Well, it, Is that it was, a story? Yeah, it was not health and safety compliant. Oh, you weren't apologies. allowed to go and apologies. have new tattoos. I thought it was a content. We did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you can always put a long sleeve shirt on. It's true. Uh, the, the, the thing with Toliso is he's, um, at one point he was their record signing. He's uh, running out of contract at the end of the season. And go back to before Christmas, they're not looking at extending it. 
But now he's maybe playing himself into something. Now, we, we talked about how Bayern have been affected by COVID. Marocca, who I think they would have loaned out this winter, had he not played very, very well due to um, coming in, um, in in space created by injuries um, either side of Christmas. Um, he's put himself in a good place under Julian Nagelsmann and maybe Tolisso is next. So watch mm. this space because I'm sure a lot of clubs, if he does go for free in the summer, are going to be interested in him. David, anything caught your eye? Yeah, um, kind of the the fall from grace of uh, of Maxi Gomez. He's um, a blast from the past. Yeah, big Uruguayan striker. I would say probably say about two years, two three years ago or so. People were talking about him in the same kind of breath as that they do Vlavic and Haaland now. He was seen as the next big number nine, uh, the next great South American striker after Falcao types. Um, this past weekend, uh, he was dropped from Valencia's squad. Because they have a rule, um, if you are, they have a particular limit in terms of body weight. They have, um, and he was one kilogram over, and <laughs> so was Terreri uh, Correa as well. One ki- that doesn't sound like a lot to me. No, it's, it's maybe, maybe that's why I'm not a professional footballer. It's, it's, it's very much like being at school and you you meant to be in at nine o'clock and you come in at two minutes past, but the teacher <laughs> just sends you out anyway into the cold and just says you're not coming in. I don't care if you're two minutes past. I've got a particular time. Board lass has a happened oh. to me as well, so I don't feel like it was just you. <laughs> um, yeah, board lass has this uh, this strict rule. He fell foul of it, um, and today as we record this on Thursday. Um, Bordelas has gone into the press conference just raging that this has been leaked hasn't denied it has basically accepted it and said yeah that's pretty much the reason why but he's just raging that it's actually leaked he's not bothered that that is the, the thing that is the reason why <laughs> and it's just a shame because he is a fantastic player on his day um, and his Valencia career looks over um, but who knows if Mr. Vlavic leaves Fiorentina this season, then that could be an opening for Maxi Gomez to to revitalise his career at a club that who don't have a weight limit. And with all due respect to both of the uh, topics that have caught your eye, none of them, none of them, are going to outdo this match. The longest match in Spanish footballing history, arguably, took two days to complete. Whatever happened to a ninety-minute game? The question is why. It's like test cricket in the old days, isn't it, Doctor? Oh, thank you for taking us back there. <laughs> um, it's a different discipline, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, so test cricket, once upon a time, you'd sit around for days waiting for the conclusion. Here, uh, fans had to wait for two days, was it, David? That's well, we right. Call That's it right. the timeless derby, do you think, yeah, in the future? Yeah. I mean, if there's any game that you want to last forever... It's a Sevilla versus Real Betis game. I never, I never want that to end. I want more games like that. Um, yeah, it was, it was chaotic, but even I think surpassed the expectations of people who who come into a Sevilla derby. I, I'd, I've always said to you, Andy, I think it's the most passionate, feverish derby anywhere. I think Same. it's honest. I think it's only honestly on par with mm. with Boca River. Um, I think. It's why? Two, well, why is that? Do you think? I think it's two teams in one city. And the combustible nature of the personalities that are in Andalusia. They're brilliant people, by the way. That isn't a bad thing, by the way. I love their passion. I love the, the way that they approach life. Uh, they don't really do anything half-hearted and it spills over into the football um, in an incredible way. And that rivalry is, is something else. It's always been special. Um, even when I think Clas- the El, Clas- El Clasico was at its most um, you know, fiery in the days of Pep Mourinho, I still always thought... Severe Real Betis on a on a big night mm. tops this. It's what what you say, Joe. The city is basically too small for them, isn't it? Yeah, I it's think so. too small for for, two for two clubs of yeah. that size. Mm. I, I genuinely think it is. Um, but this game mm. in particular, it, it arrived at a moment, and um, some people might have missed it because it's Copa del Rey rather than um, last sixteen, rather than uh, La Liga. Of course, um, the uh, Spanish Supercopa was happening. The uh, final was happening the same weekend out in Saudi Arabia. Um, but it, it felt like a, a big derby because of the context, because of the fact that it was a trophy that they'd both like to win this season, um, because of the fact that they're second and third in the league at the moment, and it feels as if football in the city is is, is going pretty well, and. Um, so it's all set for Saturday night. Papu Gomez gives uh, Sevilla the lead. Um, Betis score a brilliant equaliser. Nabil Fekir scores directly from a corner. It's magnificent. 
And yet, this is in the... So, well, that's what they practice in training. <laughs> well, that's not what everyone practices well, yeah. in training. Yeah, yeah. Corner if they kickers do, there, should be. There, there, there could be a lot of practice without it actually yeah. coming to fruition. And in the immediate aftermath of this, this is in the 30, 39th minute of the first half, um, someone at um, the Fondosur, the south end of the ground, um, throws a um, what turns out to be a small plastic flagpole which um, hits Juan Jordan uh, in, in in the head. Um, the game, there's a lot of kerfuffle, obviously. The game is eventually abandoned. Now, Betis being chucked out of the copper is, is, is never a goer. That's never on the table. Um, there's... Um, the, the possibility that it, the rest could be replayed at a neutral ground, whatever. If if a game is stopped in Spain, they always restart it from not from the beginning like they would here in the UK, but from the point where they left it. So it starts getting the thirty. So literally, drop ball at that position at that place on the field. Yeah, but well, well, yeah, not necessarily. But they, they're going to start at the same minute. Mm. Any anyway, like it goes back to um, the cup final between them. Um, Deportivo and Valencia in the 80s is a good example when they have to stop it because of torrential rain everyone comes back the next day to play the last eight minutes uh, but it, without the torrential rain they didn't bring the torrential rain back well, I'm just checking ho- ho- hopefully not right <laughs> if we're going to replicate the conditions yeah. so anyway um, the rest of the game is played the following day at the same stadium at Heliopolis behind closed doors with no fans, although you can hear the Betis fans outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Sevilla aren't happy at all about being made to play it the following day. And one of the reasons is because Jordan can't actually play. So they effectively have to substitute him between days. Now, Betis go on and win the game. Sergio Canales, their, their other man with a flair in, in, in midfield, he scored the the winning goal and um, Betis celebrated wildly on, on the pitch that is nowhere near the end of it is it David? It's absolutely not and the thing that in that instant what kind of caused for all was Andreas Guardado um, got a water bottle after the game ended threw it up in the air and hit himself with it <laughs> and made a, a jokey gesture of falling to the ground Oh what taking the mickey out of out Jordan? Of Jordan. So that has happened. That's been beamed around everywhere. But it doesn't stop there either. Because then for the preceding night, for the night and the day after, a lot of video images, are, so, so Spanish TV, Spanish sports, Spanish sports TV have a lot of cameras on the touchline and such. You can they pick up a lot of what players and coaches say and what have you. Images are then beamed around of Julian Lopetegui, Sevilla's coach, apparently gesturing to Juan Jordan to feign dizziness. And there was about an eight-minute spell between Lopetegui um, telling him this and then Jordan going down and go down and he's lying on the floor and this is all beamed around and and suddenly everything goes crazy. Bet these players come on Twitter. They are caught, uh, caught retweeting this video and putting it out and saying, look at this now. What, By this that? point, Victor Camarasa, who plays for Betis, who used mm. to play for Cardiff, has already tweeted that yep. everyone on the touchline had heard Lopetegui yeah, yeah, say this. Yeah, Juan Miranda comes out, several other Betis players come out. Um, in between all this as well, so Hodan made a recovery and he made a gesture to the Betis fans on the field. This is before he went down and, and this incident with Lopetegui happened. He made a gesture of tapping his chin towards the Betis fans. Now, this is a very, <laughs> it's a classic Iberian gesture. You wouldn't really get it anywhere else. Of course else. we won't. This is lost in translation. Yeah, yeah. It, Touch it, my it, chin it, all the time. Yeah, yeah. It, just a few taps of the chin. Yeah. It essentially means, oh, you've got some nerve. Is that all you've got to throw at me? Come on, come on. At the Betis fans. Oh, it's not too so, bad. So this, yeah, yeah, but it's the fact that he's gone down dizzy and, and, and saying he can't continue, yet he's, he's still got time and he's still got enough energy to do that gesture to the Betis fans. Um, so all this, throw all this together, um, and yeah, it's just it's just gone out of control. Um, Betis knew that they were going to get a sanction. They got a sanction of to play their next two games behind closed doors. Benito Villarreal has to close. They would have to pick a stadium somewhere to play. As of today, they've picked La Catuja, 
um, at a stadium in Sevilla. They're not ringing Sevilla and going, all right, can we have a loan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they've been told to do this, but Betis are not happy about this. They put out a really strongly worded statement about this, about how unhappy they are. And examples have been used where in other games where something's been thrown from the crowd and a team will maybe get, I think God, I think it happened at the Real Sociedad and they got about a 600 euro fine. And then they were just, there was no closure of the stadium or anything like that. Um, and adding to the subplot of all this, people are saying that Sevilla wanted the game to end at that 39 minutes when Lopetegui gestured to uh, Jordan was because they didn't have any players. They, they have been hit really hard by injuries and COVID. They, you know, they had about 10 or 11 players out at the time. So this, so Betis is saying, look, this suits them. This this suits them, What they, what's going on for them to end the game there. And yeah, it's... <laughs> It's something else. I think it's a it's an added you know a bit of fuel on the fire that is this this rivalry. I can't wait for the next matchup between these two teams because the way in February you don't have long yeah, to wait. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm looking it's, because the way that you both described it, yeah. there's so much going on, so many nuances in this rivalry. Yeah. If if a gesture by a player can be like part of a conversation with the opposition uh, spectators, mm-hmm. you know, with some sort of like gentle gesture that will be missed by most people. Mm-hmm. Then there are so many intricacies. Yeah. In it's a proper rivalry. It, it really is. It's a proper one. It's yeah. something else. And it's not just about what goes on on the field. No, it? no, not at all. And, and this is the second time it's happened, by the way. In 2007, Juan um, de Ramos, uh, who had a spell at Spurts over in England, um, he was actually knocked unconscious by a bottle that was thrown from the Betty's fans. Now, the remainder of that game was behind closed doors again. They played that at Tafes Stadium, I do believe, in Madrid. Um, so this previous here, and he was taken off on a stretcher then. He was literally laid out on the stretcher, mm. bleeding. Um, so, yeah, there's this past here. There's lots of things that goes on in this rivalry and... Also, I guess when we're talking about precedent, I remember going to um, an edition of the the derby there at um, Eliopolis, and um, it was Betis were leading. Alvaro Negredo equalised, and it, this was at the other end of the ground because th- that that was the interesting thing. How Betis put this thing on the scoreboard, this official statement, while the stoppage of the game was going on. Saying uh, in very official language, Real Betis Ballonpier notes that um, the, uh, the Fondo Sur, that's the south end of the ground where um, uh, Jordan was hit. Um, lots of other clubs have complained about having stuff thrown down on it. It's like, uh, just so everyone in the stadium knows, it's them. <laughs> them over there, which was amazing. But the, well, the game I was talking about is actually at the other end, the, the Nord. Um, uh, Negredo heads in the equaliser at the back post he's wheeling away to celebrate and someone threw like a full bottle of water which like hit him in the face obviously he's made of granite so he didn't even break stride mm-hmm. but yeah it can happen yeah it is a great uh, this is a different uh, region of Europe but mm. there, there is a great footage of the uh, best player at the time for a Swedish team Hammerby which is my team happens to be my team celebrating a goal and as he's wheeling away somebody uh, one of the Hammerby supporters chucks a full bottle of mineral water at him he catches it takes a sip and chucks it back without breaking a stride if he can do that that's pretty cool Let's move on. Now, the wonderful thing about football is that sometimes it strays into the world of fantasy. So let's take a trip down the yellow brick road and see where it takes us. And guess who's going down the yellow brick road with Dorothy? A certain Zinedine Zidane. He's at... Uh, well, he's left Real Madrid, as we all know, and he's thinking about what he should do next. And the letters P and S and G appear somewhere <laughs> in the distance. Um, it's not real, is it? This is not... Uh, they've got a manager and they've got a decent one in Pochettino. What are they doing trying to uh, serenade if they're doing that, well, there's somebody this, like Zinedine Zidane. There's this report in Marker this week, Dotton, um, saying that the PSG dressing room believe it's already done for next season. You reckon? That, that Zidane will be coming next season. I think whatever happens, Mauricio Pochettino will not be there. 
That's pretty clear. He knows that then. He um, will know that by now. I think mutually there's an understanding that it's simply not working. And his players will know that. So he's a lame duck coach. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far because I think what, what, what we have to realise is like in the modern world, the coaches like Jurgen Klopp, who stay at a club for seven, eight years, uh, or, or, or Diego Simeone, they're, they're rare. They're not normal. If you're at a club, to, to me, like say an Antonio Conte signing like an 18-month contract at Spurs, at Spurs, people always want to read into that. That to me seems eminently sensible because that is basically a coach's lifespan normally at a, at a particular job. And I think with Pochettino and Paris Saint-Germain, it was always a marriage of convenience despite the fact that he's got that past history playing for the club. Some would argue a past history playing for a club that was completely different to the current club. So whether you fully understand, you might understand the culture of the ultras and the fans who've been there along. I'm not sure that necessarily feeds into a full understanding of the culture of Paris Saint-Germain as it is now, because that's something he's found very difficult to get to grips with. We've talked about it on the pod before. Um, the fact that rather than someone who guides philosophy, he's someone who fits into the existing philosophy, which is mainly superstar based of the club, which doesn't suit him, which doesn't suit them. You know, they're not getting the best out of him. He's not get, getting the most out of himself. Um, there are a lot of reasons why it's difficult. Uh, I think players, especially at a club like that, they're growing up enough to understand that you have to take it in six months chunks you know that um that they've all got shared aims for the rest of the season which is to go on close out the league try and win the champions league which as we've said before i think is is difficult but zidane as a star whisperer it, it, it makes more sense doesn't it david star whisperer i love it I think absolutely. I think one hundred percent. And I'd have this as down as a, a done deal. You know, I think it looks inevitable. Um, and I think Andy's made the great point that it just didn't seem to be the right time, right job for Pochettino. I think he maybe got a little bit itchy, wanting to get back into management. Was maybe looking at it and think, oh, I've been at the game a while now. You know, I need to, you know, get back into things and keep my reputation going, get it up. Um, but it hasn't just worked. It, it it simply hasn't worked out for for varying reasons. Um, I think, and Sedan seems like somebody who would who would fit there. I think in a in a better manner, and it obviously has links to Mbappe Mbappe's future. I well, think, this well. is the thing as well because if they're bringing in uh, if Sedan is the star whisperer, as he was arguably at Real Madrid, is it about the coach then rather than the team in terms of a star player like Kylian Mbappe he's unlikely to stay at PSG whoever you bring in I would have thought he I, was I would to agree with Real Madrid I would agree with that it seems it still seems most likely that he would go to to Real Madrid but the reason that this is a story in Spain not just because Zinedine Zidane was part of the furniture at Real Madrid and not just because he won three Champions Leagues there as a coach but ever since th- Real Madrid have been twitchy throughout this. They've always felt that they have a better than good chance of signing Kylian Mbappe. But there was a lot of, I think, misunderstanding elsewhere, outside Spain, where people would ask last summer, why on earth would they offer 180 million euros for a player who's going to be free in a year? There's only one reason you do that. Well, you know, maybe maybe two reasons. Maybe Maybe because you want to show strength, show power. But I think more realistically, especially when you're spending that sort of money in a market that is like it is post-COVID, it's to say we are not 100% convinced that PSG can't get him back on board. And that has always been the concern. That has always been the concern from the Madrid angle. They've thought, well, if he gets to play with Messi and Neymar, Maybe he'll like it and maybe he'll want to stay. But I think it's gone beyond that because, I mean, that's not convincing enough a reason because, Mm. uh, I mean, Mbappe's been running the show. I think it's clear that they need him more than he needs them at, at, at this moment. And I mean, both the club and Neymar and Messi because they both benefit from having Kylian Mbappe in the team. Mm. 
Um, but I, I think it's it's the fact from the Madrid end that they feel that you know they'll be in his ear, they'll be speaking to his family, they'll be in the position to make numerous different contract offers, um, see how they can angle it, maybe adjust the length of the contract. So rather than signing him for five years, maybe they can offer an alternative that's a sort of halfway house. There are so many possible scenarios. And, you know, a watch pot never boils. You know, they're, they're, they're waiting for something to happen. And but those scenarios don't need Zidane going back to PSG to secure no, but it's Kylian a, Mbappe's but it's a, it's future. An, it's another element, isn't it? Yeah. It's just another element to pop a little bit of doubt into their minds. Yeah, I think if Real Madrid saw... And they'll have known about the whispers as well. When Zidane was at Real Madrid, there was still talk of him going to PSG then. Oh, he could just walk away tomorrow and, and go to PSG mm. if he doesn't get where he wants. Um, so, yeah, I think they're incredibly insecure about this in Madrid. Um, if you look at the way the press is orchestrating everything as well on their shows, some of the serious ones, some of the not so serious ones. I don't know which shows you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think they're incredibly insecure about this. And, and they've been burned before as well. David De Gea, there was a campaign, I think, um, you know, to get him in. <laughs> I think he's still cheesed off yeah, about that. <laughs> that. That didn't happen. Uh, yeah. Paul Pogba as well. There was a campaign, I think, to get him in. There's... Still kind of one with Haaland as well. Mm-hmm. These campaigns are continuously moving. There's, well, a, there's a question, David. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. We know they want to get both Mbappe and Haaland on board. I mean, this could be their biggest summer since 2009, couldn't it? When, that, when they signed all those players in, the, in, in all those big players in the same summer, Ronaldo, Kaká, Benzema, who at 40 million euros, which was still a fortune at the time, was like a, you know, like a chump change now, though, next to the others. What he's done for them most recently. Oh, abs- absolutely. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Do we reckon they could pull off Holland and Bappe and Pogba in the same summer? Whoa. Um, their finances say that they could, I think. If you look, especially if, even more so if they managed to get rid of, say, Ed Nazard as well. Get him off the wage bill. Get well, they're, they're losing whale, uh, bail off the wage bill. Yeah, this and Bill. Summer, which so is there's, big. there's two gone. If you get rid of Azard and Bill, that frees up a, like a lot of money. And also, I think if you look in the current environment of things, I think some players would be even... Well, I mean, Pogba's probably done a lot of money at Manchester United. I reckon he would even take less to go to Real Madrid just to get out of there. Mm. Um, so I think they could pull it off, that, that, that trio. I really, really do. And also, I think they know that Real Madrid know that they've got a, an emerging star with Vinicius. But I think Real Madrid know that they must get a major, major name. I still think they need to do that. Mm. Um, and that's why the Holland deal is so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the way Barcelona are looking at it, and you know, we talked about it with Lars recently, their sense is, and like the expense is clear, we know they can borrow the money for the transfer fee. Paying uh, Raiola and paying the wages he wants is something different. That's mm-hmm. the sort of continuous expense mm-hmm. that got them into the current shit that mm-hmm. they're in. But the way that Barcelona are looking at it, it's not can we afford a superstar, it's can we afford not to have a superstar mm-hmm. while we rebuild. Because that's their business model anyway. It's based Absolutely. on superstars. A- Absolutely. I think there's a lot of outside factors in terms of TV deals and marketing as well. I think if you look at how much money the league has gone for in the last few years, it's, it's quite a lot. But there's no real elite star power there. Benzema has been incredible. Don't get me wrong. He has. He's, he's been unbelievable. But, you know, you look at how many stars are actually there. You know, when, when, when you're advertising a league in the States, who are the three faces that you're going to put on your posters, on your promo? And La Liga needs doors to sell um, to, to really really market properly and, and give marquee idol isn't it yeah yeah and Benzema was I've got to say he was at one point possibly when he went to Real Madrid he was what was it was he ever though because I, 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 so. to, to me Benzema feels more respected in the game than yeah I think so. absolutely stone cold superstar mm-hmm. it, it's not that we're saying even now I think you can say in terms of what he produces he is on that Messi Ronaldo level. Yeah, I think so. In terms of profile, though, he's he's not. Mm-hmm. He's not. I mean, you know, you look at his marketing contracts. Most of them are heavily French weighted, mm. which I, I think is a different. I think the thing to watch here: say if Zidane goes off to 
Paris Saint-Germain. There's been increasing speculation that Benzema is not going to be happy if both Mbappe and Haaland arrive. And talking of being insecure, I think he would be deeply insecure about that. Because he's enjoying the rarefied air of being the superstar since Ronaldo's not there anymore. He's had the club on his back. I think think between Modric and Benzema, those two have had the club on the back since Ronaldo left. So the, the question is, if he forces his way out, who's he very close to? Zinedine Zidane. Oh no! God. Does this he end up? Does he end up in Paris as the replacement? Where, as we said, he's got more marketing value in France than he does anywhere else. You're I mean, obviously, right. it break my heart right. if when he doesn't come back to Lyon. But realistically, I I, I think that's something that could be I, on I the think, table. I think your reasoning is absolutely the right one because him going back to PSG, he becomes a soap star again. Um, him staying at Spain, he just carries the can and he it will be in ever-increasingly diminishing returns as the new stars come in who are a lot younger than him and let's face it, have got a future ahead of them. I, I, I can't see him staying at PSG. But when we're talking about sorry, uh, Real Madrid, when we're talking about Real Madrid and PSG, we're not even talking about the football. We're not even talking about the football. We're talking about these teams, these two particular teams in these two particular leagues. You know what I think this is, Doctor? Above football. I think this is a Super League meeting. <laughs> That's what we're having at the moment. So, whatever happens, where does Pochettino go? I, th- I, th- I think United's on the table. I think United's on the table as well. I think I would probably say that would be number one most likely destination. And I'm going to throw something else. I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball. Atletico Madrid. It's a curveball. I like that. Um, It's going to be harder for him to go there and remove Diogo Simeone than it is for him to go to Manchester United and remove Ralph Ragnick, I would have thought. It's a a fight I'd love to see. Where's that coming from? Where's that theory coming from? Because I think Atleti's at the most important juncture of their Simeone era. I think something has to give. I think it could potentially be Simeone. I think at the moment he's... He's, he's holding it all together in a way, but at the same time, how long can he keep holding it all together before the, the drop-off really, really comes? He's holding it together and stopping them growing that's at the same the, that's time. That's the crazy it? thing, and that is not sustainable at all. So that's why something has to give. Um, I don't think he's going to get a complete overhaul of the squad that he potentially wants. I, you know, I just don't think that's going to happen. And at the same time, you know, I, I don't see him being willing to continue with how things are right now. Um, Atletico's finances are an absolute mess. I think there's players there that have completely, they're stagnated terribly. I think even the players who have left are hurting as well. You look at Saul at Chelsea. I, th- I still think he's in kind of shock of, what, of you know, that Atleti spell coming to an end for him. I, th- I think he I think he rides back there on a big white horse and, and makes it all right. Saul. Yeah. Could be. I do like going down to, uh, the yellow brick road, as you know. But if if this happens because this sounds like uh, the elephant in the room with regards to uh, Diego Simeone. This is going to be a hard one um, for even somebody as great as Pochettino to um, to intervene in just because Diego Simeone now feels like he is part of the furniture there. And I, You're I right. Do, he's he's not he's not a, he's not a coach. He's not a manager. He's a way of life. He, yeah. He's, a, he's a way of thinking. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. A, I think you're right. He, he's every, he's everything there. But no. then, it, if he's stifling progress, mm-hmm. what do you do? It's a taboo subject. Yeah. In there, it really, really is. It's a subject that no one wants to address. Except you. Except me. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, yeah, I've been trying to address it for quite a while. And that like, wasn't a curveball. That was a fireball. A fireball. No, no, no. Um, really, it is. It's the one that everyone wants to address, but they won't. Um, I think people would prefer to look at the players and the individuals there. Don't get me wrong. There's some individuals right now who are, I think are completely finished at Atletico Madrid who shouldn't be there. But I think the Simeone question needs to be asked um, in terms of, okay, a three, four-year plan what are you intending to do? What's different? What are you intending to do to change us? Because we're right now, we're incredibly stagnant and they're in danger of other teams taking over them. Real Sociedad, Sevilla, Betis even have got more of a plan together right now. It clubs, seems. clubs who with their budget shouldn't be able to. Yeah, absolutely. And Atletico spend a lot of money. They, you know, and 
you know, I think more, I think more would be said of sit look at the Jao Felix situation. If he was at another, if he was at Manchester United, he'd be getting the same level of criticism as say what Jadon Sancho is right now. Mm. And Man United, um, and he would be getting the same. Look, Man United are getting a lot of criticism for not progressing Sancho and Rashford. There's almost nothing said about Simeone failing to progress Jao Felix. This kid who cost all that money, and there's others as well. And he's my favourite player. He's mine as well. I think he's Andy's as well. So. <laughs> Full house. Good ball for Roberto Carlos. Popped into the penalty area towards C. Damn! Oh, Fantastic! Real Madrid come alive with a breathtaking goal. Scored by Zinedine Zidane. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This week, Clive Anderson is joined by comedian Stephen K. Amos on My Seven Wonders, the show where guests select their personal seven wonders of the world. Stephen discusses his fame down under, who inspires his comedy, and how he got on during lockdown. My dad, early 80s, came to stay with me for two weeks of the lockdown. I had no idea, after all these years, that he is a twat. I had no idea, Clive, that the heating in my house could be set to lava. And I said to him, why is the heating on so high? And without skipping a beat, he just said, I don't pay the bill here. Now, this <laughs> is it's the kind of thing I have to deal with. Listen to My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It does put you a smile on your face when you see one of uh, the Premier League's great dribblers reappear uh, after what it seems like uh, some time. You know, when I heard, and I genuinely mean this, when I heard that we were going to be talking about Hatem Ben Arthur, you can't imagine the memories of seeing him playing for Newcastle, uh, mostly in my experience. Uh, the the warm, sweet memories. It did warm the cockles of my heart. This is a great player who, you know, has done the rounds, has been in and out of a lot of clubs, I suspect because he never quite fits in anywhere, as often is the case. You know, when you've got great dribblers like, you know, Joe Cole, I remember uh, <clears throat> being one of them. They didn't quite fit in. They're just slightly out there. I wonder if Hatim Ben-Arf on his... Uh, Comeback, and let's hope it is a comeback now. And it's his 10th team to Lille, which you know very much about, Andy. I'm hoping that he's there not just to tick a box and to show some excellent skills on the wing, but yeah, I'm, to be part of the team. I'm hopeful. Um, it looks like he's going to be fit enough to play at the weekend when Lille play Brest, which would be very, very exciting. Um, 
I mean, he's 34 years old now. He hasn't played since he left Bordeaux at the end of last season, where he obviously fell out with everyone. Um, I think uh, Laurent Koscielny told him a few home truths before he himself was dumped out of the team. That is the way of things at, at Bordeaux at the, at the, at the moment. Um, but Ben Arthur has always been a Ballon d'Or contender in his head, which is, I guess, his biggest strength and his biggest weakness. It could be his biggest strength in the fact that he feels he can run any game still. And I think the way it's opened up is 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 quite nice and the situation that awaits him at Lille is quite nice. Now, he's there nominally to replace uh, Yusuf Yuzuji, the um, Turkish attacking midfielder who's gone off on loan uh, to CSK in Moscow. And if you've been on social media this week, you'll be aware of... Um, yeah, you don't really want a, 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 a social media presentation from them, no matter how horrible mess of that. But um, Ben Arthur has been training with Lil for a, a, a while, so he's been ready to to get it over the line and and, and to go. And um, th- that's why he apparently is in, in in good shape. But I think you, you look at the situation they're in; they have a bit of latitude because they're not going to retain their title. They're miles off the top. They're gently improving. They'll be an exciting team to play for. There's a gap not just left by Yuzuju, but also um, Jonathan Ikone, who's signed for Fiorentina. So it looks like there'll be opportunities for him. And as well as them not being in the title race, which maybe gives him a bit more time to find his, his marks, there's the fact that they've got this Champions League tie with Chelsea coming up, having got into the second round of the Champions League. So there's lots of opportunities for him to sprinkle his stardust over everything. And you just know that that's the type of game that he'll be eyeing and thinking, yeah. this is where I'm going to back myself and I'm going to show everybody why I should be still going for the Ballon d'Or. And I love these players. They're, they're more th- these roguelike players who I think are just so rare these days as well in a game that's, I don't know, very robotic, I think, at times. Um, and you look at the Ben Arthurs, the Fekirs, the Tarapts, these types. I was going to say the Sam Maximans yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Adel Tarapts for sale at the moment, incidentally. Get him in as well. Him and Ben Arthur. <laughs> um, you know, um, Bufal is another one as well. I, mm. I love these players, they, they are absolutely fault-filled. They are absolutely frustrating and annoying. They lift the crowd but up, they, they do, they do. Shun the touch the ball, you, you know. You'd speak to most Newcastle players, and uh, sorry, Newcastle's fans, and, and they'd probably say the most fun that they've had supporting that team, you know, somebody like Aspria. And they'll bring up Ben Arthur as well. well Gino, there, Ginola there was, as well. There was that great flag, wasn't wasn't there? Uh, sort of, the sort of nadir of the, the Mike Ashley years where you, you had that big sort of stencil uh, reproduction of Ben Arthur's face and he had the Che Guevara beret on and it just said hope. Oh, and I thought that was great. Right, that's brilliant. I think, I think that was war flags that, that that did that. And it's just, I think that is sometimes underrated when we talk about, you know, what we need to get from the next game and the objectives for the season and, yeah. you know, the, the money that the club needs to bring in. I think we as fans talk about that all the time now, don't we? You know, the, our, our team needs to make money by making the top four or, or, or whatever. And it's just to, to actually have something to look forward to, mm. as you say, which is what Ben Arthur represents, and which is why I think fans still respond to him. And, you know, obviously some sporting directors still respond to him as well. He's got skills. But I still think he can change he can change any game. And I agree. You know, he's he's made some he's made some poor choices along the way, not just in the way he's behaved, but in some of the moves that he's taken. Mm-hmm. I think when he he left Nice to go to PSG, that was a that was a terrible mistake. Yeah, I really didn't like that for him. That just didn't work. That, mm. A guy like Ben Arthur should not be at a club like PSG. Mm. No, and I think Why not? When he had the when he had the Sorry. I was just gonna say when he had the run of things really at Nice. It was a bit like when Balotelli left mm. left Nice. Yeah. Just realise what you've got. Mm. Realise yeah. that you're the king of the castle. Mm. Oh, gosh. Um, Dance, you, I think it adds to the mystique of those players. Mm. I think if he did, it, when he was at PSG and, and the players there I've mentioned as well, I don't know, when they go to that major club, it, it almost takes a bit of their shine off them. 
I think they need to be at that kind of mid-level club who and who don't have consistency. Um, I think Benega was a great example, one of my favorite players I've ever ever watched. People all used to say to me, when he was playing well for Sevilla or Valencia, they used to say, "Oh, he should be at a Barcelona or a Real Madrid." And I'm like, "Should he though?" I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I think he can play at that level. Of course he can. I think, you know, I used to say about Benega um, and, and Andy, it links what Andy said about Ben Arthur's fitness. I think these guys can play 50, 60% fit, but still be the most important player and the best player on that pitch because of the technical ability that they have and their intelligence of the game, it, it, that they have of the game as well. And not in a robotic way, not in terms of playing the percentages, just in terms of how gifted they are naturally. And yeah, it's frustrating, but it, I, I don't even criticise it anymore. I don't even criticise Ben Arthur or, or players like that anymore. You just embrace it, you enjoy it because they can give more enjoyment than your player who will tick the boxes every week. I think I'd rather watch, this will be crazy, but I'd much rather watch a Ben Arthur or a Benega or somebody than, a, than say, a Jorginho or you know somebody at sideways very much know you know what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. I think with Ben Arthur, because we're sort of like our hearts are lifted by those moments of great skill you forget that he actually can be decisive I think that's the interesting thing when he's on it and when he's been on it uh, at Lyon when he's been on it at Marseille um, when he's been on it I I guess he at at Nice and even at Rennes to a certain extent he's a goal threat as well he doesn't just it's not just a little dribble and a roulette where you clip it and and stick it on social media Mm. He scores goals yeah. as well, and he can do that. And when you bear in mind that Jonathan David has been bearing the goal scoring weight for Lille all on their own this season, and Barak Yilmaz has had a bit more of a tough campaign, you know, this could push them up towards the European spots as well, which would, you know, get him a lot of respect. Question mark uh, Do these mercurial players, Ben Arthur in particular, do they fit into a squad, or does it become. This mercurial player, he's got all these skills, he's dribbling down the wing and he scores a goal, he's brilliant, but it's almost like that's a different game, not a different game, but a different team, Ben Arthur on his own versus the team that he's playing but, for. But I, I, I think if you're, if you're a Did good coach, really? if you're a good coach, you know that it's impossible to treat all players the same. And I think you've just got to give him a little bit more room. You've got to... But he's got to fit in. You've it's got about... No, I, I, I think it's, so. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. I think you understand if you're a coach, and especially in the, like the modern game where you know you don't get players, like you know you don't get twenty players just from one country. Mm. You've got to understand different cultures, different outlooks, different attitudes. But also they're they're diverse people. You've got to think different personalities. They respond to varying approaches and you know varying encouragement but then how, how do we explain the 10 clubs in his professional career how do we explain that it's it, it it's it comes with him it's it's part of the deal that you accept you, you know you bring him in and you know what he can do he can change a game on his head like you say decisive a goal or an assist just a moment of brilliance like out, out of nothing the famous goal for newcastle when he went half length of the pitch yeah the bolton one yeah yeah, yeah. that's a game that's just it's very placid it's in the middle and he just decides Ah, oh, I'm gonna have this. So you kind of accept his warts and all for the ability to do that, and I think you have to. Cause he he decides that he's going to take the ball by absolutely. the horns, which is what I'm saying. Is he a team player? If if he if he fulfills the function that he's meant to do in the team, then yes. Yeah. So if the function is to be a winger, create run down create the wing, create space, and cross the ball. Uh, what? Into no, the no I, I think you use him in the middle because yeah. then then he can score. And I think that makes that makes the the difference. But in terms of what he is, everyone knows what and who he is by now. Yeah. You know, remember he first became famous in this uh, Canal Plus documentary, A la Clairefontaine, where they went to Clairefontaine, showed all the young scholars, and everyone remembers the bit because everyone knew him before he'd made his first team debut because he was the star of that. Not for anything he did on the pitch, but because of this moment where he completely infuriated Abu Diaby. You remember he used to play for Arsenal and like Diaby wants to throttle him. He's going absolutely mad. And one of Ben Arthur's teammates takes him onto the balcony, shuts the door while he's still talking because he just won't shut up, locks the door and draws the curtains so Diaby won't see him (laughs) to defuse the situation. He's not changed that much. 
it's that time when we invite you listening uh, to join in on the continent with some questions of your own. Uh, let's have fun with us. You can tweet us at, at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adebayo, at Andy Brassel and at David Jacker at any time uh, during the week. Got a few questions for you both. This from Graham. What's been the secret to Rio Vallecano's form before Christmas? And can they finish in a European place this season? Their secret is their coach, who I think is an absolutely fantastic, refreshing mind in Spanish football right now. I think I think La Liga's declined quite a lot in the past couple of years, well, maybe say four or five years or so. And I think partly due to the fact that there's not a lot of new ideas. There's a, not a lot of new approaches, fresh coaches who can change the game up a little bit. I'd probably say the last one was maybe when Paco Jemez came up with Rayo Vallecano. He was a little bit different, a little bit against the grain. Mm. I think Andoni Arola is like that. He's not as <laughs> he's not as wild, shall we say, in terms of uh, his teams and his tactics and how he approaches games. But I just think he's a very, very clever individual who is looking at the game from a different point of view that a lot of people are in Spain. There's a lot of jobs for the boys sort of culture in Spain. There always has been. Um, certain coaches getting jobs over and over and over again. Mm. And it becomes very boring, very dull. Irola's doing something a little bit different. You, you look at the players. Um, when, 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 when they speak about him, they just say he's, he, his intelligence is, is off the charts in terms of how he can read games, um, in terms of how he studies them beforehand, how he studies them in-game as well, the changes that he makes, decisive actions that he, that he makes as well. And this is a team with absolutely nothing. I think it's pretty much every... Out of their regular starting 11, I'd probably say maybe two or three are new players who weren't with them in their promotion year. So he's working with pretty much the same group. Um, and I just think people really, really buy into his ideas because it's something different. A lot of the players who are in that squad are um, players who have been around the block, who have been around. They've been under a lot of clubs, a lot of different coaches, but he's given them something new. And I think players really, really thrive upon when they're, they're getting something like that. This question from Tim. What's the secret for Sam Pauli's this season? Top of Bundesliga 2. And what a win against Dortmund. What a week for the Hamburg clubs. Yeah, knocked Dortmund out of the cup this week uh, at their Millentor Stadium, which is a great result for them. And people were starting to ask questions about St. Pauli because they've been uh, clear away at the top of Bundesliga's fire. And then they've had a few little wobbles, defeating a draw recently. They needed a stoppage time equaliser to get um, a draw at the weekend. So. Um, it was surprising to see them uh, come back and um, do so well against Dortmund. And it's a really open DFB Pokal, actually. You look at like, Dortmund are out, Bayern are out, Borussia Mönchengladbach with Adi Hütter on quite thin ice are, are, are out. But um, what St. Pauli have done is, well, there, there are two things, I think. You've got Timo Schultz, the coach, who is... Um, someone who uh, played for the club for a long uh, period of time, understands it, understand its culture. Um, but they've had a succession of really quite poor seasons and they've been more fighting to stay up than to 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 go up since they last came down from the Bundesliga more, more seasons than not a decade ago. Um, th- this season, I think there were two aspects that, that helped. Firstly, like we found with teams like... Um, Bochum and uh, Reuterfurt, who were the, the two that went up last season. Um, you've got these massive clubs in Bundesliga fine. So now you have uh, Werder Bremen and Schalke down there with Hamburg, the the, the even bigger club in 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 Hamburg. Um, these clubs are tripping over each other to be the basket case mm. of the division. You know, you've got massive clubs who are making a total pig's ear of coming back up. I mean, it's four years and counting for, for Hamburg, for example. So I think that takes a bit of a pressure off clubs like Bochum, for for example, and we've seen it in previous seasons with Holstein Kiel, who are, are pushing to come up. So that works in, in, in favour of St. Pauli because no one's expecting them to do anything. It's only the last couple of weeks that they've started to feel any pressure. Also, um, they've kind of reconditioned and repurposed Guido Bergstaller, the big bustling Austrian striker who's at Schalke for a bit, which I think has, has really helped. I mean, he has scored more goals this season than Simon Terodde. And Simon Terodde is your cheat code at Bundesliga's high level. Never scores, never looks like scoring goals in a top flight, but... 
he scored the goals to get uh, Cologne up before. Um, he's at a couple of clubs and uh, he's at Schalke. He's banging in the goals, but Bergstaller has got more than him, which tells you that he's doing very well and St. Pauli is doing very well. I'm looking for a game a week from each of you and uh, preferably with a food um, accompaniment to it as well. Don't worry, I've got you covered for the food. You know what my stomach's like. So uh, yeah. What are you going for as I, a game of the week? I'm not going to keep you waiting. It's going to be Friday night. It's going to be Leon versus St Etienne. We started with uh, a, a, bad one, actually, a, a yeah. niche but passionate derby and we're going to finish uh, more or less with a niche but passionate derby. Um, a lot riding on this. Uh, St Etienne, who've signed a few players, including the sign, signing uh, Elia Kim Mangala, formerly of Manchester City, this week. He won't be ready. He won't be registered in time for this this game. Um, but St Etienne, bottom of the table, they really need something. Uh, there have been some inflammatory banners exchanged between the two sets of fans in the in, 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 in the lead up to this game. Uh, one of them that was uh, Leon as a club condemned that was hung up outside the training ground said, um, finish them. Uh, because, um, yeah, they're, they're bottom of the table and, 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 and looking bad. But Leon need the points as well. Um, they've, they've looked better since... Um, the turn of the year, but uh, they've they've had a really disappointing season under Peter Bosch so far. Um, Lucas Pakatar and Bruno Guimaraes playing very very well, but they need to get um, some points and some goals quickly. They're struggling to put it in the in, in the back of the net, so this is going to be a tense one. Yeah. I think with this, you uh, just keep it nice and simple. It's winter, croque monsieur, loads of bechamel. In oh, there. I like that. I yeah. do like that croque monsieur. Yeah, uh, David, what's the game of the week for you? <laughs> Um, I'm going to go for Atletico Madrid against uh, Valencia. Um, I think Atletico Madrid, as we have discussed, are kind of in a bit of a free fall at the moment. Um, they've lost four of their last six games in La Liga. Um, and I think with this Valencia, if they were to shock Atleti here, they could go a point behind them in the league. Which, which seems quite mad when you think about it. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's on Saturday night um, and eight o'clock. And food pairing, in honour of Maxi Gomez, we're going to go for a steak. And I think we're going to go for a ribeye because that is the superior cut, not a fillet. So yeah. So we're eating British in Spain. It's it's in honour to Maxi Gomez because you know the Argentinians, the Uruguayans, they... They love their asados, you know. So, we're, so we're getting some, we're getting some red meat on, and I think that's probably Maxi Gomez's problem. Maxi Gomez's problem at the moment. He's eating a lot of red meat, and it's got him in all this trouble. <laughs> It'd be so a nice yeah. consolation for Diego Simeone if they don't win as well. Yeah, yeah. And can we have comforts of home? Yeah. Can we have chips with that? Yeah, we can have chips with that. Yeah, yeah, chips with that. So uh, bit game, of bro- bitly broccoli to have some greens. Full English. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. no peppercorn sauce though, because that is for delinquents. <laughs> This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Yeah, welcome to another edition of the, um, I was about to say Brazilian Shirt Name podcast, but no, it's a different <laughs> one. It's Ghost to Show. Don't work too hard, folks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.